0: I uh, hope that uh, you and your um, family and friends, I hope you all had a wonderful Christmas. Uh, my family had a had a good Christmas. Um, my family gave me some really good gifts. One of the gifts they gave me that wasn't so good is they gave me the gift of a cold. So like the day after Christmas, I uh, had a really bad cold. And so I'm still a little congested, a little nasally. You may pick that up in my voice, but hopefully it's not a distraction to you. Um, we're uh, starting a brand new series called... From here to there, here to there. So, uh, what we're talking uh, about—it seems like you know. Anytime we enter a a brand new year, it's a natural time to stop and evaluate, and you kind of evaluate the here, right? Like, what's true of my current situation? What's the reality that I'm facing? Am I happy about that? Do I, do I like where I am in life or not? And then it's a, a time, the beginning of a new year is always a time to, you know, set some goals and look at your hopes and dreams and resolutions, and you have a, a there that you want to get to, right? And so to kind of boil down this idea of transformation into the, like the simplest terms, Life change, life transformation is just simply going from here to there. And so that's what we're going to talk about uh, with this new series in the, the beginning several weeks of, of this year. We're going to talk about what does it look like to go from here to there, right? So maybe, maybe for you, you, um, you know, you, you get through the holiday season and you look at here and you say, man, I hit those Christmas cookies a little too hard and uh, I need to get in shape. I need to get there, you know, or maybe say, you know, I, I spent a little bit too much on my credit cards to make Christmas happen, and uh, I need to get my finances under control. I need to get there. Or, or maybe you're thinking, hey, 2024 is the year that I get that degree, or 2024 is a year that I find that relationship, or um, buy that car, whatever, whatever. Like we all have these things that we want to accomplish, the the places we want to be, the people we want to try to become, and uh, this process from here to there. The question, though, is how how do you get from here to there, right? That that path of transformation, that that journey of life change. How does that happen? Because if it just like if you just kind of fell into it, then we would all be the people we want to be, right? Like we just wake up one morning like, I got life under control, everything's great, you know? Um, no, but it like, it, it's, a, it's a process, it, it, it takes work, it's effort, there, there's, there's stuff that has to happen and so that's what we want to talk about, this path of transformation from here to there. But I want to start off uh, today, I want to start um, this whole series, I think, with the most important question, um, a a fundamental, foundational question when we're talking about transformation, when we're talking about life change, when you're talking about um, your hopes, your dreams, your goals, the things that you want to accomplish, the type of person you want to become, the most important question, I I think, that I want to pose to you is this. Does God have a there for you? I, I mean, if there is a God and if this God created the universe, if he knit you together in your mother's womb, like Psalm 139 says, he created you, and if this God is good and loving, which I think the Bible says he is, then wouldn't it make sense for you to at least consider the there that God has? before you put a lot of effort and energy trying to achieve your own goals, before you set your direction, before you set your own destination, maybe it's wise to pause and say, God, do you, do you have a place you want me to be? God, do you have a type of person that you would like me to become? God, do you have a, a plan for me, a way that you want to use me? And so as we talk about um, the next several weeks, about this path of transformation, how to get from here to there, I wanna start with just this foundational question. What's God's there for you? Because I believe God has a there for each of us. God has a there for each of us. I think as you read through scripture, you see that God created you. He created you for a reason. He created you for a purpose he, he desires a relationship with you. He desires a partnership with you to help you reflect his love and his goodness and his mercy into the world around you. So he's created you on purpose, for a purpose. I think he has a there for each of us. Now, the there, that God's, God's there, sometimes it's not easy to determine. Um, sometimes it's difficult to get to, Sometimes it's not what we think it is, um, but he has a there for each of us. And so the, the rest of the day, I just kind of want to unpack um, this idea of God's there, what it might look like, and we're gonna look at scripture and pull out some different principles that we can apply to help us understand our journey and the path towards transformation and how to um, think about um, where God might be leading us and how to be a part of that. Um, and, uh, and then ultimately see, how can we know what God's there is for us? So we're going to start out, we're going to, um, today, kind of big picture overview of the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. All right, so you ready to, to learn about the first five books, ready to take a lot of notes, cover a lot of material today? <laughs> well, here, here's the, if, if you boil down those first five books in a nutshell, here, here's this, the story of the first five books of the Old Testament, God takes a group of people and he forms them into a nation and he moves them there to the promised land. The, the first five books, the whole story of the first five books, boil it down. It's God forming a group of people, calling them into a nation and leading them to the promised land. All right? So, so this all starts, um, begins in Genesis chapter 12. And so you see a a guy named Abraham. God calls a man named Abraham out to leave his hometown, and uh, Abraham travels, and then God gives Abraham this promise in Genesis 12, and he says, hey, I'm going to make your descendants into a great nation. I'm going to bless this nation of your descendants in order that they can be a blessing to the rest of the world. He says that the entire world is going to be blessed through this group of people. So he gives this promise to Abraham, and then shortly after giving this promise, then he leads Abraham to this, this land, this land of Canaan, Canaan, and um, he reveals to him this, this promise in Genesis 12, verse 7. He says, hey, I'm going to give all of your offspring, this, 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 the, your descendants that are going to become this nation, I will give them this land, right? And so it's this geographical location, this land is where they are going to be a blessing to the rest of the world. That's why, and then the rest of Scripture is called the promised land, because God promises it to, to Abraham. And so you see this, this promise given, um, but then Genesis, like, in the, you read through the rest of Genesis, and you see Abraham's um, descendants. You have uh, Isaac, and uh, Jacob, and Joseph, and, and uh, you go through all the, the descendants, and the they don't, they don't end up in the, the promised land. Yeah, they don't, they don't settle down there. In fact, you get to the end of Genesis and, uh, and they find themselves in Egypt. And in the second book of the Old Testament, Exodus, you learn that um, they get settled in Egypt and things don't go well for them in Egypt. This, this group of people, this nation that God has, has called to be his partners, to be a blessing to the world, they actually find themselves as slaves in Egypt. This group of people spend 400 years in slavery in Egypt. And so as Exodus picks up, you see that God calls a man named Moses uh, to come and lead this group of people to freedom, right? And you have uh, the 10 the plagues and the Passover, and they escape the Pharaoh, Pharaoh's army, and they cross the Red Sea on dry ground, and then they find themselves in freedom. God frees them from captivity, But then it's here then that God leads them, after freeing them from slavery in Egypt, God leads them to this place called Mount Sinai. Now, um, you can miss this little detail if you you don't know the geography. So I just want to pull up a map because I want to show us this little detail. Um, The uh, Israelites were in in Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt. And then God freed them. And we know that the there that God had promised them, promised to Abraham, is um, this promised land up here where Israel is. But yet, God leads them to Mount Sinai. Now, I don't know if God just hadn't invented, like, Google Maps yet and didn't know, like, hey, there's actually a quicker, more efficient route than down to Mount Sinai. And so, it's interesting that this journey to get to the there that God had for his people, he leads them, like, kind of way out and around. And so, I think that leads us to one of the first principles about all of our Um, journeys to transformation is that the journey there isn't always fast or easy. It's not fast or easy. For whatever reason, God doesn't care about efficiency. But God uses what seems like a detour, what seems like a distraction, what seems like a hindrance, what seems like, God, why are you leading me here? This is way out of the way. God has a way of using those things in our journey and so as you begin to get into scripture and you you look and you begin to read you discover that God leads them to Mount Sinai because if you realize they had just spent 400 years as slaves they how they saw themselves how they viewed the world how they, they saw how they related to the world all they knew generation after generation was was a slave and so God had to transform them. He had to show them what it meant to be his people. He had to reintroduce himself to them to help them know, learn how to trust him. And so God leads them out. In the second half of the book of Exodus, um, he leads them to Mount Sinai. He gives them the law, which helps them see how do, how do we live as his, as his people? How do we operate to represent him? Um, he makes this commitment to them. The whole, the whole second half of Exodus is this depiction of Mount Sinai. It depicts this ancient wedding ceremony. Right? So in, in, in a sense, God was marrying his people and his people were marrying him. It's a statement of commitment. Like we're choosing, God's committing to them and they're committing to God. Right? So they're, they're, they're relearning, they're building this relationship. Um, and then when um, the end of Exodus, you see the building of the tabernacle. And the tabernacle is like this like mobile um, center of worship. It's this tent, portable tent that they go and set up and it's where all the worship and interaction with God happens. And so all this time out in the desert, what God is doing is he is shaping and forming his people to understand what does it mean to to represent him. He's helping them develop trust, helping them to to learn what does it mean to be a a partner with him. He's shaping them and transforming them all this time that they're spending in the desert. And so you you finish with Exodus, you get into Leviticus and it's all about all these like laws and these things that seem kind of like weird but again, it's an opportunity for God to help show his people, this is what it means to represent me, to live as a, a person that's following me and not as somebody who is like the rest of the world. And then Numbers is a story of them wandering through the desert. And again, it's building this trust, learning to, learning to, to follow God and, and trust him and build that relationship. And so again, I think another, when we look at that story, another principle that we can get for the path to transformation is that it's between here and there that God does his work. That's where God transforms us. Between here and there is where God transforms us. It's where he changes us. And we get so focused on the destination, but God's a God of the process. God uses what seems like hindrances and obstacles. He uses us to shape you and to form you, to help you become the kind of person he wants you to be. And it's the, it's the journey, it's the process. Sometimes it seems like two steps forward and one step back, but God is with you, guiding you, shaping you, helping you get to the there that he has for you. And when you get there, you're gonna be the kind of person that he needs you to be in that, in that moment. And so um, the other thing I, I, I wanna point out, um, then as you, as you walk through, you know, we talk about Genesis, we talk about Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then you get to Deuteronomy, and so Deuteronomy is a retelling of the law. And so as God is leading his people through the desert, he's getting them ready to, to go into the promised land. He's, he's almost getting them to there. And he looks back and he um, has them remember uh, all the things that had gone on, all, all the laws he'd given them. He ask them to remember who he is, the, the faithfulness of, of this. And then at the end of Deuteronomy, they're getting ready to cross into the promised land. They finally arrive and they're getting ready to get to God's there. But I just want to point out an interesting thing. Think about all the people that, that didn't make it to the promised land. I mean, if you think way back at the beginning, Genesis 12, as God gives this promise, he, he reveals that there to Abraham, that Abraham doesn't make it to the promised land. Abraham's son, Isaac, doesn't make it to the promised land. And, and then Jacob, and then Joseph, and then all the generations that were in slavery didn't make it to the promised land. And then even Moses and the first generation of Israelites that were freed out of slavery don't make it into the promised land. But every one of them played a key role in the process. And this is the other thing I want us to understand about the path towards transformation is that God's there may not be about you. God's there may not actually be about you. The person he wants you to become may be more about your neighbor or your coworker or future generations. Think about this. Your decisions today, choosing to follow Christ, may be more about your children or your grandchildren experiencing God's promises than you. God's there may not be about you. You see, we love to make ourselves the heroes of our own stories, but we're all part of a bigger story that God is working in the world and he wants us to play a part. We just have a, just a supporting role. We're not the main character, but we get to play a role. And so God's there. He has a there for you, but the journey to there isn't quick. It isn't easy. And it's in that long winding journey that God does some of his best work to transform us and to shape us into the people he's called us to be. And once you get there, the there may not actually be so much about you, as it is about God wanting to partner with you to bless other people, maybe even future generations. And so the question is, okay, uh, how do we get from here to there then? Well, let's look, look back to the Israelites wandering in the desert. Um, let's go to the, um, in Numbers. Um, talks about them wandering in the desert. And chapter 9 talks about the building of the tabernacle. And something interesting happens as they, they build this tabernacle, this tent, this mobile worship, um, worship center. So Numbers uh, chapter nine says, on the day that the tabernacle was set up, a cloud covered it, but from evening until morning, the cloud over the tabernacle looked like a pillar of fire. Right? So you have this cloud by day and this pillar of fire by night. And it says, says this was the regular pattern. So it was like this all the time. At night there was a cloud and then, um, or in days of cloud and at night it was a, had the appearance of fire. Now, verse 17 it says, whenever this cloud lifted from over the sacred tent, the people of Israel would break camp and they would follow it. And whenever the cloud or the pillar of fire stopped, the people of Israel would stop and they would settle and set up camp. All right. so how did they know where to go in the desert? Like, how did they know where, where God was leading them? Well, God gave them this, this pillar of fire and wherever it went, they went. Step by step by step. And when it moved, they moved. And when it stopped, they stopped. So how do you know to get from here to there? Well, it may, may be like overly simplistic, but I think you can say we get there, we get to God's there by following him step by step. We get to God's there by following him step by step. We don't get out ahead. We don't, we don't head our own direction. We just, we stay right in step with God. We don't see God moving and we hang back and say, ah, I'm just gonna kind of see where he goes here. We stay in step. And follow God as he leads us. Now, you can say, well, that's cool, Brent. Um, I don't see a pillar of fire in the sky. So how do I know where to go? Right? Like, I, I would be happy if God gave me some kind of sign to know how to get to where he wants me to be. You're right. We don't have a pillar of fire. I would argue we have something better. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us. We have God's own presence, not out in front of us leading us, but inside of us directing us. And if you are a follower of Christ, the spirit of God is inside of you, and God wants to use that to speak to you and lead you and guide you. All right, so let's take a look. Let's jump to the New Testament and look at some scripture that I think pulls back on some of this Old Testament stuff and the tabernacle and pillar of fire um, to help us kind of understand this concept. So Acts chapter two, Luke is uh, writing this account. Um, he writes an account about Jesus' life and his ministry and um, Jesus' death and resurrection. And he talks about how Jesus is getting ready to ascend into heaven. And he um, commissions his, his followers and says, hey, you guys wait until the arrival of, of this Holy Spirit. And he ascends into heaven and the disciples wait and they hang out. And then we pick up here in Acts chapter two. It says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven, like a roaring mighty, roaring, mighty windstorm. It filled the house they were sitting. And then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. Huh. In the Old Testament, the tabernacle, a pillar of fire marked God's presence over the tabernacle. And then now, with Jesus' ministry, each follower has this little pillar pillar of fire over each of them. I think what's being communicated here is that now God's presence is in his church, right? So if you remember all the way back to, to Abraham, the, this promise that God gave Abraham that he's going to make his descendants into a, a nation and that, that he'd bless this nation and this nation would be a blessing to the entire world, we believe that the ultimate fulfillment of that promise is in Jesus, Jesus comes through all of that lineage, and it's through him that the entire world is truly blessed. And then now, his followers, as the church, as his body, his hands, and his feet, are his representatives to the world. And our job is to fulfill that promise, to be that blessing, to bless the world with the gospel, the good news of who Jesus is, to be his hands and feet, to partner with God, to bring about the kingdom of God on earth. And how are we gonna accomplish that? How are we gonna know where to go? How are we gonna know what God's there is? The gift of the Holy Spirit. We have God's presence inside each of us. Right, So this idea of the pillars of fire, Paul picks up on this idea in 1 Corinthians 6, and he says, hey, you all are the temple or the tabernacle of the Holy Spirit. You're the place where this presence of God resides, no longer in a building, but among his church. Each of us now are the temple of the Holy Spirit, God's presence. And then Paul goes on in um, Galatians, he's talking about living by the Spirit, and he uses these phrases Uh, Galatians 5.16, he says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. And he goes on, and in Galatians 5.25, he says, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. So as Paul writes this, he at least believes The Holy Spirit is able to lead us, and we're able to know where the Spirit is leading, and we're able then to follow. And he's encouraging all the believers to say, hey, you don't know where to go. You don't know how to get to God's there. Follow the Spirit. Stay in step with the Spirit. Let it lead you and guide you. So I think the incredible truth of Scripture is that we have a God that's not far off, and he's not distant. He's... He's imminent, he's present, he wants to be with us, he wants to connect with us and he wants to speak with us and he wants to lead us and he wants us to follow him. And I know that sounds a little crazy, right? Because there's only two types of people that claim that they hear from God, religious people and crazy people. And maybe you're thinking, are they really different? (laughs) Right, I, I get that, that sounds weird, but just just imagine this: like, what if the creator of the universe, the person who created you and shaped you, if he has a, a there for you, if he has a person that he wants you to become, if he has a a role that he wants you to play, well then what it makes sense that he would let us know what that is? And he would somehow communicate that to us, and we would be able to hear from him and be used by him. And so I think it's a beautiful truth it's that God can, can speak. He wants to speak. He wants to interact. He wants to lead. He wants to, to guide so that we can partner with him to accomplish his will on this earth as in heaven, right? And so the challenge, though, is if God wants to speak to us, The challenge is we have to learn to listen. Because I don't know about you, but um, I live in a noisy world, right? I mean, think about all the voices you hear throughout your day. Think about all the voices you let inside your head as you're, you're, you know, cruising the internet or social media or listening to the radio or watching some show or whatever. Like, there are all these voices, all these messages just coming into your head. So many voices. but I think one of those voices... Is also the voice of God. But it's a, it's a still, small voice. And so the challenge of maturing in your faith is learning to listen for that voice, learning to quiet out some of the other voices and other distractions, and trying to pay attention, and learning the tone of God's voice, and then learning to listen and then learning to follow. And so to help us do that, um, particularly at the beginning of the year, uh, we are challenging everyone that calls Crossroads home, we're challenging us to do 21 days of prayer and fasting to start out the year before you set your own goals and your own directions and your own resolutions to stop and say, okay, God, do you have a there for me? I'm going to pause, I'm going to listen, and I'm going to let you speak to see what your next step is for me. Because sometimes God doesn't reveal the end result, he doesn't reveal the there, sometimes he just reveals the next step. And you don't know where you're going, but you just got to stay in step. And that's what I love about our church, our mission statement, right? Meeting people where they are and helping them take their next step with Christ. That's the journey that all of us are on from here to there to get where God wants us to be, to become the people that God has created us to become. And so our challenge as a church is to set aside um, 21 days and try to listen to God's voice. And so this will start uh, on uh, January 7th, so next Sunday. So you got a week to think and um, pray and prep and plan. Uh, But uh, January 7th, we want to start 21 days of prayer and fasting. And so why prayer and fasting? because those are two great practices to help you listen to God's voice. So um, let me, sometimes these things can become like really mystifying and confusing. And so let me try to explain a little bit these, these practices, prayer and fasting. So you can think of it this way. Fasting is where you cut something out to create space for God. So fasting creates space for God by cutting something out. And in prayer, fills that space or uses that space to listen to God. Prayer uses the space that fasting creates to communicate with God. Um, So let me uh, talk a little bit about this way. Um, So fasting, when you look in the Bible, um, a lot of times when it talks about fasting, it's in reference to to food, right? So uh, fasting is uh, skipping a meal or choosing not to eat a certain type of food, or doing something for a period of time to create that space. So the time you would spend um, preparing and eating and um, consuming that food, you can now dedicate to to carving that space out to to listen to God. But then also, I don't know about you, but I get a little hungry um, if I, I skip a meal or don't eat. And that hunger, that rumble in your tummy is an opportunity. It can be a cue to say, you know what, as much as I desire food, I need to, to be desiring God in this moment, and it can just kind of be a cue to point you back to, to God and be a reminder, okay, this is a time that I'm, I'm setting aside to seek God to create space for God. So fasting cuts something out to create space for God. Um, in addition to food you could be you know you could cut out like certain activities so you could cut out social media for a season or you could cut out um, video games, you could cut out binge watching something on Netflix or whatever it may be, but it's Fasting is choosing to, to cut something out to make space for God. And then prayer is using that space you've created to communicate with God. Now, a lot of times when we think about prayer, um, our, our, kind of our first thought is like kind of that one-way communication where we just we, we tell God what we need. right? Like God, I need you to do this. I need you to show up here. I need you to do this for this person. And that's good, right? It's good to pray and ask God to intercede and, and be praying for other people. But God desires a relationship, right? He, he, he wants a relationship with us, and no healthy relationship's only one way. And so, part of prayer is you talking to God, but it's also you listening to see if God's gonna speak to you. And so, one of the ways God speaks most clearly and consistently is through His Word. This is the beauty of the scripture that we have in his Bible. And so um, in this season, we were doing the 21 days of prayer and fasting, I encourage you, get in your word, read his word, he's gonna speak to you through his word. Um, but also God can speak to us in, in other ways too. And I think God can, through the spirit inside of us, God can bring things to our mind. He can give us thoughts and impressions and um, can help, that can help lead us and guide us. And so I wanna point you to a practice called listening prayer. Um, this is maybe something that you can put into practice and try out as we're doing these 21 days of prayer and fasting. Um, so listening prayer um, is just what it sounds like. You're, you're just, it's time of prayer. Instead of you talking, you just listen. Uh, but you, you take that space you create um, from fasting and you, you take okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this time. I'm just going to listen. You try to eliminate as, as many distractions and as many noises around you as you can. And as you start out, you, you just ask Jesus, say, hey, um, Jesus, help eliminate any vo- other voice that I might hear so that I can only hear your voice. And you ask him to speak. And then you just kind of take some time and you listen. If you've never done it before, you know, just take a couple minutes. That'll seem like an eternity. It'll seem weird and awkward, but that's okay. And you can, you know, increase the, the length as time goes on, as you become more comfortable with it. But you just create that space and you begin to listen and then you just pay attention to what God might bring to your mind. And maybe have a a piece of paper and a pencil and you can write down, you know, oh, this thought came to my mind or this popped in my head. And if you get distracted, that's okay. Just kind of refocus and come back. And, uh, you know, just kind of get curious about the things that, that come to your mind. Now, not everything that comes to your mind is gonna be God speaking to you. Right, Because we said there's all those voices, and you may wonder, like, is this, is this like God speaking? Is this just this like a random thought I had? Is this like the burrito I had for lunch that's kind of like making me do weird things? Like, what's going on, you know? And so that's why then the part, of, um, the part of listening prayer that's really important then is you take the thoughts or things that you think maybe came up in your mind, and then you, you test them to see, okay, is this God's voice or not? And so one of the ways you test them is you, you say, do they line up with Scripture, Because God's not gonna say anything that doesn't line up with what he's already said in scripture. Say, okay, does this line up with the heart of scripture? Um, And another way you can test it is say, okay, does this bring about fruits of the spirit in me? Right, because if it's the Holy Spirit leading you and speaking to you, the fruit that's gonna be produced is the fruit of the spirit in Galatians 5. So is it gonna bring about love? Is it gonna bring about joy? Is it gonna bring about peace? Is it gonna make you more patient? or kind, or gentle, or faithful, or more self-controlled. If it doesn't produce fruit of the Spirit, it's probably not God's voice. Sometimes uh, um, the voice of the world, or the voice of our enemy, sometimes it's like, a, it's like, a, a, like an urgent, like, you gotta do this right now. But, but yeah, like a fruit of the Spirit is, is patience and self-control. And so, you know, you can line that up and say, okay, is this, does this bring about the fruit of the Spirit in me or not? And that can help you discern um, and then I think another really wise thing to do is to, to take the, the things you think God might be speaking to you and run them by a trusted spiritual mentor, somebody who's mature in their faith and who, who uh, you could say, hey, I, I think God's maybe saying this to me or leading me to do this, but I'm not really sure what do you think uh, and, and run it by, by them. And then you kind of go through that process and um, talk to other people and pray about it. And if you're like, okay, I, I think, I think this is something God wants me to do. I think He's leading me here, and then the next step is to to do it, to follow, um, to to live it out, to put it in put it into action. And so this practice, the the more you do it, you're going to begin to to learn God's voice. You're going to learn that still small voice. You're going to learn how the Holy Spirit works in us and sometimes leads us, um, and, and and works w- with you. You, you. you know, in the same way that, um, you know, you. You have a, a best friend and, you, you know, your friendship grows. As your friendship goes, like, you, you learn how to communicate with that friend more and more and more. And, you know, after you've been friends for years, like, your friend doesn't even have to say a word. They just kind of give you a look and you're like, I know exactly what you're thinking, right? Like, the same way, like, the more you spend time with God in prayer, the more you seek him, the more you're going to learn to hear his voice and then sometimes then in all of the noise and the chaos, there will be times where you'll still be able to hear like, oh, this is what God wants me to do in this moment. And so let me just like give some disclaimers. Like this isn't like this magical like thing, right? It's not like the moment you give a couple of minutes to listen to God, the heavens are going to open and the light's going to shine down and whoa, you know, and Brent, this is the Lord speaking, you know, it, it, it's not, it's not like that, um, One of the interesting things about the way that God operates in the world is that it's this mix between human and divine, right? That's Jesus. Jesus is 100% human and 100% God, and how, for whatever reason, God chose to work in that world to the incarnation, to enter our world in that way. It's the same thing with the scripture we have. Scripture we have is inspired by God, inspired by the Holy Spirit, but it's written by human authors. And so it's this mix of God, but it's also this mix of, of human perspectives. And it's the same way the church is. It's how God operates in the world. I don't know why he chose to partner with the church to make us his hands and his feet in the world today, but we are. And so God works in us and speaks in us, and it's this weird mix of human and divine where you're like, I don't know if that was like my thought or if that's like God's thought, and I don't know how all this works, and that's why you kind of got to work through that and discern it. But even if it, I would I'd issue this challenge, like even if it is your thought, but it lines up with scripture and it accomplishes the fruits of the spirit, then that seems like that would be in line with God's will in the world, right? Like if it's your thought like, man, maybe I should help this person, I think that's a good thing to do, you know? But then there's other gonna be, there's gonna be times, this has happened to me before, where I'm like so self-centered and self-focused and like, I gotta do this and I wanna do this, I wanna do this, and then this thought pops in. It's like, hey, you see that person over there? You need to go help them, right? And that, that wasn't where my train of thought was going at all because I was all focused on me and then this random thought like, hey, you need to go help that person. I think maybe that's the spirit leading me and and guiding me. That's how God works. And so part of growing and maturing in your faith is just like walking through the messiness of learning to listen to God's voice. But I believe this. I believe he wants to speak to us. Because I believe he wants to partner with us. And I believe he has a there for every one of us. And so the challenge and the invitation is to to start out this year, 21 days, where you set aside time every single day to cut something out, to make space for God, and then to spend some time listening. And maybe you've never done that before, and so it's kind of weird and and nerve-wracking. I I encourage you to spend this next week thinking about it, talking to people about it, and deciding if you wanna commit to that next Sunday. We have some resources on our website um, so you can, uh, there's a QR code in your bulletin and you go on there. And so we have uh, resources that talk about fasting, help you understand more about what that is, what does that look like, resources to help you talk to your kids about what fasting is like. Um, we have a guide for listening prayer. So some of what I talked about with listening prayers on our website. Uh, we also have a, a phone number that you can set up. You can text in to get every single day during the 21 days, a, a prayer prompt. So every day you get texted a scripture and you get texted um, a theme to kind of help direct your your prayers so we're collectively together as a church praying for similar things. So you can go on the website and sign up for that um, and all that will start on on the 7th. Um, but I encourage you um, to, to, to consider that, um, to consider like if you've never done that before, maybe this is a chance to carve out some space and just, and just see, give God a chance to speak. If you never give him space to speak, If you're never listening for his voice, then you're not gonna hear him. So your odds increase if you give him some space and you start to listen. It's not a guarantee that you'll have these amazing moments or everything's gonna like turn out like, oh, this was so awesome and God said this. Yeah, I don't know, right? But you're not gonna hear him if you're not giving him that space. And then for the skeptics in the room, I know it's kind of weird talking about like hearing from God and all that and I get that. Um, this is my challenge to you. Um, let's say God doesn't even exist. Let's say he's not real, doesn't speak. So if you do this, what do you, what do you, what do you lose, right? Like maybe you're on Facebook a little bit less and then you have um, a couple minutes of quiet time with your own thoughts. It's not a bad thing. So I, I encourage you to give it a try because what if God is real? And what if God really has it there for you? And what if God really wants to get your attention and really desires a relationship with you? Man, how different could your year be? How different could 2024 be if you're walking in step with God where he's leading you versus trying to carve your own path against the grain? So the challenge is before us. And bottom line is this. Any real transformation, any real change, any real life change is going to happen when God leads us. Everything else, you can fight and claw and grit your teeth and try to make change happen. If you want lasting, real change, you want to get in line, you want to get in step with what God's doing in your life and wants to do through you the difference that he wants you to make in the world. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are not far off. You're not distant. You're not unconcerned. You care about each and every one of us. You created us and you shaped us. You know us better than we know ourselves. And so, Lord, I pray that we're able to, to carve out some space in this next season, we're able to put into some new practices into our life to create space for you to speak. And Lord, I ask you to speak. And this season, I ask you to speak through your word. So God, as we get in and we start reading your word, I pray you help make connections, you help point something out, that you, you, you move us, that you help us see you and learn more about you through your word. God, I, I ask that you speak to us, that you help us um, hear your still small voice that you reveal a next step for us to take as individuals and collectively as a church. God, we give this season to you and we ask you to speak. And we hold on to your promise that your word does not return void. That's gonna help us understand you. It's gonna help us move more towards the people you've created us to be. So God, thank you that you have a there for each of us and you're there with us each step of the way.